0: Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to download our ministry smartphone app. You can watch all of our programs, as well as access daily devotionals, Bible versions, and evangelism training materials. And it's all free. Just go to the App Store for your mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. Some of the world's most extraordinary acts have been accomplished through the power of belief. Whether it's Olympians who break world records in their pursuit of gold medals, or innovators who push the limits of possibility to create new inventions, people can achieve a great deal through the power of belief. Thomas Edison believed he could invent a light bulb and through trial and error, he was eventually successful. America believed that we could put a man on the moon. And in 1969, Neil Armstrong took his historic leap for mankind. But no matter our achievements and regardless of our belief in ourselves, we will each one someday face death. It is, in a way, the great equalizer. The journey of the greatest king and most humble pauper winds up in the same place, the graveyard. Only a belief turned outward can save us from death. As the great Christian poet John Donne once wrote, Death, be not proud, though some have called thee one short sleep past, we wake eternally and death shall be no more, death thou shalt die." The source of this everlasting life, this life that will not be defeated by death, is Jesus Christ himself. Dr. D. James Kennedy shares more in his message, Never Dying Life.
1: May we hear the word of God as it's found in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And may God speak to our hearts and minds through his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. In his divine sovereignty and providence, God used to open the blind eyes of this once young man a notable preacher by the name of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. Now, Dr. Barnhouse was a formidable man. He was a large man and robust with a voice that could not be ignored. It was imperious, to say the least. I can still hear the tones ringing in my mind. And those of you, that may have heard him in years gone by will remember that voice. It could not be ignored. Young man, he said, if you had had the audacity to say such a thing to the all holy God that knows your every thought and deed, he would have instantly plunged you into the lake of fire. He had my attention and soon Christ had my soul and my life was transformed. However, every encounter with Barnhouse did not quite end that way. Once he came across an older man who was also a redoubtable antagonist to Christianity. It was indeed an irresistible force meeting an unmovable object. And Barnhouse told him the glories of the gospel of Christ to which this older man responded, poppycock. That of course is Greek. (laughs) Come tonight, I'll give you the interpretation. He said, I don't believe in your Bible or your Christ, and furthermore, I'm not afraid to die. You see, I've got my lodge, and that's every bit enough religion for me. It was a stalemate. They each went their separate ways. The months and years passed by, and several years later, Barnhouse learned that this man was now on the very edge of the Valley of the Shadow, He was in the hospital. He was not expected to come out. And so he made his way to the hospital, discovered what room he was in, and slipped in unobtrusively and sat in a corner seat, folded his hands in his lap, and said nothing. Now the older man was totally unaware of Barnhouse's presence in the room but he was keenly aware of another presence in that room for this man was wrestling with the king of terrors and he could be heard to moan and groan saying oh oh no no oh no no and then he began to turn his head back and forth from one side to the other on his pillow and then he opened his eyes and he espied Barnhouse seated in the corner. And he was appalled by the sight. And he said to him, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, nothing. You told me that you were an atheist and you were not afraid to die. So I just thought I'd like to come and watch. But I won't do anything. So you just go ahead with whatever it is you're doing and I'll just sit here and watch. And the man had the look of a wounded animal on his face and with a voice of desperation he said you wouldn't mock a dying man would you and then he asked barnhouse to tell him once again about jesus and barnhouse had the opportunity once more to share the glad tidings of the Savior that came that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. And before the hour was up, the son of righteousness had risen in the valley of the shadow. And that old man entered into life. Well, I'm afraid that he is typical of a great many in our time today. Many who don't have the faintest idea what's going to happen to them. They might put on a great deal of bravado while they are young and while health fills their bodies, but that's only because they've never stared into the hollow eyes of death and never really considered their own mortality. The great Dr. Samuel Johnson, who gave us the first magnificent dictionary of the English language, who was the center of social life in London said that most of us run from one vocation or avocation to another throughout all of our lives all in a vain effort to never think about our mortality. Yes, there are many who may pretend that they have no fear of death, but unless they have come to know the conqueror of death They are merely pretending and deceiving. Epicurus, 2,000 years ago, who was not a Christian, said very well, what men fear is not that death is annihilation, but what they fear is that it is not. T.S. Eliot, more recently in Murder in the Cathedral, declared, not what we call death. But what beyond death is not death, we fear, we fear. How true that is. And it has been echoed by numerous people, great and mighty as well as others. It is interesting to me to hear, as I have over my life, the skeptics wax voluble and eloquent about their unbelief. But it is also more interesting to see them when they come to the end of their life, when the fogs of death begin to fill their throat. Think of Thomas Paine, who was a hero once in America until he published his Age of Reason, which was a book he gave a copy of to Ben Franklin, who urged him not to publish it, but he went ahead, and in his pride he did so anyway, and it brought indeed all manner of ignominy upon him until he was forced to leave the country. When he came to the end of his life, however, he was not so robust, and he was not so skeptical. He said that he would give worlds if he had them, if the Age of Reason had not been published. Or take the most brilliant, caustic, skeptic that probably ever lived, a man who wrote an entire encyclopedia against Christianity and the Bible. Do you know who that was? That was, of course, Voltaire, the great leader of the skeptical movement in France, but Time moves on. And so at length, Voltaire came to the edge of the Valley of the Shadow. And as he was on his final bed, he found that his unbelief was failing him. Like the young man who had been led into unbelief by an older skeptic, and when the young man was taken sick and was going to die, the skeptic was afraid he would recant and came to him and said, now nah, young man, he said, hold on, hold on. And the boy said, sir, you left me nothing to hold on to. And so it was with Voltaire. And he decided that what he wanted to do would be be reconciled to the church. And so he called for a clergyman. And this... Got out and was rumored around Paris and caused a great stir among the skeptical community. And so the unbelievers rushed to his house and to his bed to prevent this most embarrassing possible recantation. But when they got there, they found they had discovered their own ignominy and that of Voltaire as well. He said, Be gone, ye wretches! And like Adam before him, he cast the blame on them. Look what you have brought me to, get out of my sight. And he threw them out of his house. His physician said he was the most wretched looking human being that he'd ever seen. He called for a secretary and had a statement of his recantation written and signed by two witnesses. And it availed him Not at all. Remember, dear friend, God says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. God cannot always be found. And there are times when our heart can become so encrusted with sin, so adamant in rebellion, that we cannot bring ourselves to repent or even to believe. And though Voltaire had this signed and witnessed statement of his recantation and of his faith, it meant nothing at all, for there was no heart in it. And he lived for two more months. Stokim, his physician, said it was an unbelievably miserable thing. Even his unbelieving friends would no longer come into the house because his cries and his anguish were so incredibly horrible. At length, he would vacillate between saying, Oh Christ, oh Christ Jesus, help me, till coming and saying, I am abandoned by God and men. He'd say, Do not leave me. Send somebody to be with me. It is hell to be alone to die alone. Yes, my friends, I think of all of the thousands of people that read his works and were turned from the faith. Only I wish that they could have tiptoed into that death chamber and seen the greatest of all of the skeptics when he came to look into the face The hollowed eyes and lank-jawed skull of death itself, the king of terrors. How is it with you? Is death something that you fear and dread? Or have you been delivered from death? The Bible tells us that Satan has kept the whole world in bondage throughout all of their lives through the fear of death. Is that fear in your heart? Can you actually think of death without terror? Can you think of it as a glorious graduation and coronation day? Is it something that you can look forward to with anticipation? Or is it a forbidding and foreboding evil that you cringe at the very thought of and will not let yourself think about it? It is a formidable foe, and down through the centuries it has marched and no one has impeded or slowed its advance. Think of the graves that it has left. Where is the city without a cemetery? Where is the field without a grave? Where is the home that has not been hung in crape? Indeed, O earth, how multitudinous are the citizens of the sod. O sea, how vast is the population that dwells in thy caverns. O mighty death, who can deal with this implacable foe? There is only one and that is Christ. Not all of the mighty or wise or noble of the earth could do anything. Not of the founders of the religions of the world, only Christ could say, I am he that was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore and you that trust in me shall live also. And he proved it by rising from the dead on Easter morning. How glorious that is. Has he accomplished that victory in your heart? Have you received him as Savior and Lord? Why is it that conscience makes cowards of us all? It is because every one of us is conscious of the fact that he or she has sinned in the eyes of an all-holy God who is of purer eyes and even to look upon iniquity and who has sworn that he will punish our transgressions with a rod. And therefore we feel guilty. And we face death and we know not what lies beyond that dark shadow. But Christ by his cross took away our guilt and sin and by his resurrection took away that black question mark and opened the glories of paradise to all of those that will trust in him. You know there's no other religion that has a hymn like Blessed Assurance because no other religion has Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Have you, can you sing that from your heart in truth? Do you have that Blessed Assurance or do you have that fearful dread of what lies beyond the curtain of death. Christ wants you to have that joy. He wants you to have that certainty. He wants to dispel the fear over and over again. He said, fear not, fear not, be not afraid, it is I. But it means nothing at all unless we receive that victory, As our own unless we invite him to come and set up that cross in our own hearts to be our Savior our Lord our God our King the conqueror of the grave is he that to you is your life lived to his glory do you live the purpose that he has given to you to glorify his name to advance his kingdom to make him known to a lost world is that what you do the rest of the year? If so, you can have that assurance. You can know that when you leave this world, you are going to a realm that death cannot enter. You are entering a city that has no cemetery, a city decked with silver and lilies, a city where we will live forever with Christ, a city where there are transparent mansions of gold, a city through whose windows that light-jawed skull cannot grin, in capacious chambers where that bony finger cannot beckon, a city where in new and deathless bodies which shall throb with the thrill of endless life, We shall adore his matchless name. Ah, my friend, that is what I desire for every one of you. That certainty, that assurance, that joy that only Christ can give. That you will know that you will soon be in that place where you will be rejoined to those that you have loved and lost, where you will receive all that has been taken from you in this life, where you will indeed Be crowned the crest of triumph and you will look upon him who is the conqueror of death and the Lord of glory. And you will stand full in the undimmed blaze of Emmanuel's smile. You will have reached paradise and you will know that there in that glorious place where the fountains are filled with the water of life eternal, that you will look upon him at his glorious conqueror's throne, and you will sing, Alleluia, Hosanna, our Savior hath conquered the tomb, our Savior hath conquered death, our Savior has brought us all the way to glory. May we pray. Blessed Redeemer, only Savior, Thou who alone hath died for the sins of the world, Thou who alone hath risen from the grave and brought life and immortality to light, Thou who alone who desires to give that gift to all that will come to thee, I pray that by thy mighty and sovereign Holy Spirit that thou wilt right now draw unto thyself some whom thou hast chosen to receive eternal life, that they may say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to thee. I believe that it was for me that thou hast anguished and agonized upon the cross, that it was for my sins that thou hast died. I accept you as my Lord and Savior and Master. I repent of my sins and henceforth desire to follow thee until that day when clothed in immortality I shall see Thee face to face. In Thy holy name I pray. Amen. I hope you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy. And if you did, we have a special gift just for you. It's Beginning Again, the book Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers you'll find that it contains answers to some commonly asked questions as well as the Gospel of John from the New Testament. I urge you to read at least a chapter a day from the book of John. You will be greatly encouraged if you do. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. God bless you as you do.
0: Belief in worldly things is only temporary. But belief in the living Jesus Christ determines your eternal fate. At the root of our faith in Christ is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. It's at the center of everything and it's vital that you understand the good reasons for believing in it and that you be able to share those reasons with others. We have put together a brand new Truth in Action Q&A booklet called did Jesus Rise from the Dead? And we want to send you a three-pack of this booklet as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. You'll want to keep one for yourself, and you'll have two more to share with others. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 1164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. we we'll call toll-free, or go online to DJKM.org. Did Jesus Rise from the Dead unfolds the powerful historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus in a way that you can remember and share with others. And if you are able to give a donation of $35 or more, we will send you the three-pack of the booklet Did Jesus Rise from the Dead plus the best-selling book, One Minute After You Die, by Dr. Erwin Lutzer. In this book, Dr. Lutzer gives biblical answers to pressing questions about death and the afterlife, including what heaven and hell will be like and how to prepare for your own final moment. Though the afterlife is shrouded in mystery, the Bible does peel back the curtain. Dr. Lutzer will help you understand What is on the other side? These are issues we must all face, and when the time comes, you will want to be sure you are standing on a firm biblical foundation of truth. We will send you the book, One Minute After You Die by Erwin Lutzer, plus a three-pack of the Truth in Action Q&A booklet, Did Jesus Rise from the Dead? as our thanks for your generous donation of $35 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.